Welcome, everyone, to Unsafe Space. I'm your host, Carter Laren. Please, if you enjoy our content, please don't forget to like, uh, share, subscribe. If you want to support us, you can go to unsafespace.com and donate or buy merch or all that kind of stuff. And if you go to unsafespace.com, you will notice that our videos on that site are not uh, hosted by YouTube. They're hosted by library. And some of you may not even know what library is. And uh, I think it's time you understood what library is and how they are embroiled in a pretty monumentally important lawsuit with the SEC right now. So I am pleased to bring Jeremy Kaufman uh, to the show. Jeremy is uh, the founder of library. He created library because he fell in love with the idea of a shared global content network that is owned and controlled by no one. Library is now used by more than 20 million people each month. You can follow library uh, on odyssey, O-D-Y-S-E-E.com slash at L-B-R-Y. We'll put that link below. And you can go to helplibrarysavecrypto.com. We'll put that link below. Uh, and that link will tell you more about uh, the SEC lawsuit. Anyway, Jeremy, thank you for joining. Welcome to Unsafe Space. It's great to be here with you. I'm a big fan of your show, Carter. Uh, I was not, I, when I first heard that you liked us at all, I didn't believe it. Uh, and I think it was someone on your team was like, no, no, like Jeremy likes you guys. And I was thinking there's not any tech CEO in the world who likes us. That's not possible. Um, so you're the unicorn. It's great to meet you. (laughs) I, I think it's crazy that there's not more, you know, if there's a field that you want to be. Uh, you know, meritocratic. It's it's the tech industry. I actually suspect more people are fans, and they are just afraid to say it. Is, is is at least my hope of what's going on. That's possible. I definitely do have people message me sometime, both from the cannabis industry and from the tech industry, who who say things like, "I'm watching your show and I really like it, but don't tell anyone." It's like, all right, well, thanks. Uh, but, but from my <laughs> perspective, there's a lot of benefit to being on this side. I think it's the side that that will ultimately win because I think, you know, it's the side of truth is is my opinion. So yeah, I agree. Why don't we start by uh, just giving people an overview of what library is? So library is an open source blockchain based publishing protocol. Uh, We like to say that it does to content publishing what Bitcoin does to money. And we can get into exactly what that means, but basically it allows YouTube-like or Amazon-like services to exist without that company controlling the whole thing. So we can have the user experience that we like without having to deal with the terrible policy and without being beholden to some of these corporations that we might not like the, the policies of. And the easiest way to use library is a website called Odyssey, O-D-Y-S-E-E dot com. Uh, it was used by more than 20 million people last month. And if you go on there, you'll find all kinds of great content creators and all kinds of great content um, some, from the really big names to smaller up and coming channels that are creating some really interesting stuff. So I would encourage everyone, if if someone's watching this on YouTube, they can pop over to odyssey.com uh, slash at unsafe, pick up the video and be watching that video in a space that's you know, much, much friendlier, less exploitative, and a number of other benefits. Susan, Susan can't control anything over, over at library. She, she (laughs) has no power here. (laughs) Well, so actually, let me ask about power for a moment. And I clarify, like, correct me if I'm wrong. But my understanding is, um, theoretically, if you went crazy, 
you could modify the Odyssey interface to muck with what you're showing, but you can't actually change, like anyone else could write an interface to just read what's on the library blockchain and and you can't stop them really from presenting videos. So you, you don't, I don't, do you have the ability to like suppress videos you don't like? So on Odyssey we do, but on library we do not. And so that's exactly like you said, because everything we've done is open source and decentralized, anyone can create an app, anyone can fork our code. And so in the event that, you know, a brain worm got me and I become an evil person who wants to enforce my values across the whole network and censor content that I disagree with, that would, it would be very easy. You're not trapped. You're, there's that sort of that sort of lock-in. I tend to think they're not monopolies, but they're monopoly-like in terms of the amount of power that they have over you because there's such large network effects. They're, those kinds of things aren't, aren't possible. Um, it's just simply not possible. And a lot of our sort of competitive advantage from a business perspective is actually that we've handcuffed ourselves. So we've kind of said, you know, you can really trust us because we've made these things impossible in a way that it wasn't, it wasn't even, it wasn't even possible to make them impossible, uh, before right. we invented some of these things. Right. Well, I mean, and fundamentally we don't have to trust you. Exactly. That's the yes. thing. We don't, it doesn't matter. You can become Susan and we don't, it doesn't really matter. Yes. Um, so, okay. Um, I want to get a little bit technical. I don't think we should get in like too deep, but um, people hear the word crypto and they think, I think most people just think of Bitcoin right away. Layman or just, okay, Bitcoin, it's some kind of money thing. Maybe some people own a few Bitcoin. Um, but there's a difference between utility tokens and something like Bitcoin. And and maybe maybe just you could outline what that difference is and what library is using a crypto for what is what library using it for yeah although i do want to emphasize one more time odyssey.com super easy you don't need to understand any of this a lot of people use odyssey and they don't even realize they're interacting with a blockchain or that they're interacting with a, a cryptocurrency but in my opinion yeah. um blockchain to blockchain technology can be used to do all kinds of things i actually think of blockchain as the fact that blockchain is has is has this money-like aspects. I actually think of that as secondary. To me, a blockchain and the way that I came at creating this this company, it's secondary, it's very important and it's necessary, but it's first and foremost a new type of database. It's a new type of agreeing on a sort of state of affairs, on a state of data. And we can now do this without needing to trust any one party. And so you can build all kinds of interesting systems from decentralized autonomous organizations to uh, uh, decentralized applications like we've built with library. And so what the library blockchain does is it acts as a content register. It acts as this listing of information that exists, who published it, details about it. It allows the creators to retain local control the same way that you can control your Bitcoin. You don't have to rely on some Bitcoin ink to to keep track of your balances, you can have that full that level of control if you want it, and that's what library does in the in the publishing space. And like many new technologies, you know, the government doesn't exactly understand how they work. And in our case, one of the tr troubles that we have is the government is tr taking this 100-year-old law that was not written with this kind of technology in mind and trying to use it to, uh, in my opinion, and in, in the opinion of many legal experts stifle and, and suppress activity in the cryptocurrency space. 
Now, to just to clarify a little bit, you guys have what's called, I would call it a token. It's a utility token. It's called the LBC, and it is used. Content producers can uh, get paid with it, like if people like their stuff. Um, if I want to make edits to my content, I think I have to pay a little bit of LBC to make make the edit, if I recall correctly. It's all very easy. You just click a button, so I don't even really pay attention to what's going on underneath. But it's 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 a... It's a token that's used in the maintenance and and uh, expansion of of the library blockchain. Is that correct? Yeah, that's exactly right. So you use the token to publish content, to tip uh, other creators, to create a handle, to create an identity. Um, there's also this system of staking and boosting uh, other other content and other channels. And honestly, when you say I'm using the system, but I don't really understand it, that's actually a compliment. To me, you know, I it was meant as a compliment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So thank you. Yeah, no. I, like in other words, like you know, you you don't you, you don't you shouldn't have to know how your car works to drive it. You should know the properties of your car. Like I hit the gas pedal and it goes fast, and this is better than a horse, you know. But you shouldn't have to understand how an internal combustion works to to drive a car. And so it's the same kind of thing here. Like there's some really cool properties of this system. And um, we can get into how they how they do work if you and your audience are, are curious. But I think the properties are the most important thing. Yeah, yeah, and so it's it's super easy. It's there. It's it's built in. And now, now let's talk about the government because you said the government has a problem with this. Now, I I watched a little video on your website, and according to this video, which I I've heard these things elsewhere, so I don't think this is outlandish. Let's just go over four different government entities. Uh the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network thinks that crypto is money. The SEC thinks that it's a security. The IRS thinks that it's a it's property. And the Commodities Future Trading Commission, uh, big surprise, thinks it's a commodity. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, the four blind men on the elephant, each describing what they see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but interestingly, I mean, not surprisingly, I guess, they all seem to decide we're classifying it in a way that lets us get our grubby little hands on it and regulate it. Yeah. Yeah. Regulators are going to want to regulate, you know, <laughs> and in this case, it's, it is a pretty ridiculous case. There's no allegations of fraud there. So there's no one who's saying I'm a victim. Um, the SEC isn't charging us with fraud. They're not charging any of us as individuals, uh, but they are saying that each these tokens are securities, and every time you know they want they want the token to be tracked. They want you to have special licenses to be able to build software that interacts with it. And uh, yeah, it's I mean to me the case so the case isn't really a risk to our company. It slows us down a little bit, and it's going to take some of our money, but it's not a threat to the network because we don't own or control the network. So the library network's very strong. Everyone's cryptocurrency is safe. All, you know, all the content's going to be online and all this. So what it really is, is I actually think it's a bigger deal for just the cryptocurrency space. You know, I think that, that blockchain is a bright part of our technological future for, for America. And I think that what they're doing really risks driving that business outside of the U S it risks entrepreneurs choosing not, to create things here, you know, so like we had this SEC case and, you know, now we not, we now have a U.S. exchange, just like what happened with Ripple that doesn't want to make the token available. But in, in that same time span, since the case became public, three Chinese exchanges have made the token available. And so it's like why you would want to drive this technology that's very much the future out of the U.S. and into China. I think it's a pretty bad mistake on, on uh, from the United States government. 
Sure. Although from the bureaucrats' perspective, they don't really care about the long-term effects. They just want control over some stuff. Yeah, uh, and a job. Right. So. Uh, right. Uh, right. I mean, I think I actually. So in terms of this case, I sort of have like two theories as to why it's happening. I have the like sort of laziness theory and the more conspiratorial theory. I'm probably biased towards the laziness one, uh, which is that you know our company has been radically transparent. You know the evidence that the the evidence that they have against us is not from you know a bunch of emails that the secret emails and chats that they did subpoena us. It's evident. It's all stuff that they downloaded from our website. You know we've been very very public with what we've been doing, and we haven't tried to hide it. And I kind of thought that. You know, because the space was this was I'm I'm happy to admit that I was naive at this point, but I kind of thought that well, like look, it's unclear. I've got this legal advice that says it's okay from very well respected law firm, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to do my best to follow, but I'm going to be open about what I'm doing because they'll at least they'll go after the bad guys first, um, and I think that you know, possibly because the the regulators who have to produce re- the the enforcements for their boss, you know, to us it's like shooting fish in a barrel because they didn't have to figure a bunch of stuff out. We weren't being shady. We weren't hiding anything. We've been super public about all of our activity. And um, now there is another part of me that says, well, the case has been open for three years. So we've been under subpoena power from the United States government for, for since May of 2018, which is not a fun place to be for a startup. And they just dragged their feet. You know, we actually thought it might be going away. And then you know, we were getting record adoption in December into January, uh, largely in in uh, uh, reaction to you know some of the um, some of the worst behavior from big tech that we've seen, and then the SEC comes around again and says, you know, actually we are going to bring this case. So I don't know what's going on with the timing of it. It was certainly felt a little bit weird to me, uh, but I have no, you know, I can't say specifically that that's that's why they're doing it. Well, I'll wear the conspiratorial hat a little bit if you want, and just say, look, I mean, the when you threaten. Most people don't pay attention to anything related to the financial system. They, it's kind of stodgy old men somewhere in New York or elsewhere. And if you ask people if they care about SEC regulations, it seems like something that should only affect stockbrokers and 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 people on Wall Street. And and people don't want to hear or care about it. But at the heart of our system, the thing that enables the lifeblood of of the bureaucracy, the lifeblood of government expansion is control over the money supply. And uh, any of these things, I mean, it doesn't have to be a blockchain technology. It, it's blockchain is is really functionally equivalent in this from like me issuing my own currency in the sense that it's out of their control. I mean, if because it's out of their control, they don't like it um, and they want to regulate it and um, I don't, I can't imagine working for the SEC and having a philosophy that doesn't include a, a firm philosophical belief that it's my right and responsibility to regulate everything to do with money and yeah. exchanges between people. I think they definitely believe that, uh, but to, to push back just a little bit, if only for sure arguing, you know, we're pretty low down on the list in that regard, right? Like we haven't been marketing library credits as, as money as, you know, it's going to be the next reserve currency. You know, we've been, we've always said, you know, buy the token to use it, to use it on this network. And so I do think what we've built is a, is a threat to some powerful interests. 
And I think that blockchain and cryptocurrency is a threat to sort of like the hegemony of the dollar or the, or the Federal Reserve and their ability to, to control the money supply. Uh, although even there, the United States through taxation is, is still going to have a lot of power no matter what. Um, yep. Like I don't, I don't, you know, I think we're a much bigger threat to YouTube, or to Google, to other big tech companies than we are, than we are to the United States government, right? And so, um, yeah. I don't, you know, go. They'd be. I feel like they'd be going after some of the other. I mean, maybe that's why they're going after Ripple. You know, uh, maybe that is why. It could be that they're going after us to build towards other things, right? Because one of the key standards they're advancing in this case is. If the if the technology continues to be developed, then it's a security. And so, you know, it seems to me and many others that under the standard, like there's no formal status that Bitcoin and Ethereum are legal. I know a lot of people think that, but there, there's no formal status. There's just like informal comments that seem to indicate this. And a lot of people are saying that this is to set up being able to go after Ethereum and being able to go after some of these other ones, right? Because Ethereum 2 is, I, and I like Ethereum, I'm not trying to drag them, but Ethereum 2 is kind of evidence that, hey, you know, Ethereum was not a, is not a finished technology even today. Right. And, and that's kind of where I'm thinking. I don't think they care about library in particular, but, you know, I, I looked at this lawsuit. It is all quotes from your website and stuff that's publicly, but like, it's all, they're not like we found an email from Jeremy that said blah, blah, blah. It's like, these guys made public statements and this is that's you know it's you're an easy low hanging fruit to go after and if they can get a judge to rule that that a utility token is in fact a security so long as you're not morons and have just abandoned the technology which no one no software development person would ever do just stop working on it so if they can get that Maybe it's a way to get in. Are you guys built on ERC twenty, or are you like a Ethereum based thing? Or are you separate? No, we're an entirely separate public blockchain. So it's our it's our own blockchain. Although I, you know, some people might say I'm a moron because one of the weirder implications of this case, and also just like morally awful, is that if we had stopped development, we would have been fine. <laughs> so you know, right. we sold right, right. So we sold more than. $5 million worth of tokens and not in an ICO. So this is not one of those ICO cases. We were so conservative, you know, and that's, that's another way in which I feel like I was, I was dumb because it was a, I don't know what the word for it is, but it, I don't know, a rodeo. I don't know. It was wild, right? Like in, in 2017 into 2018. And we were like super timid and conservative and we didn't do an ICO. And, you know, we could have stacked a hundred million. And we stacked like five, you know, yeah. and then no, we I remember like, the ICO yeah. world at that time. It yeah. was crazy. Right. Yeah. And so we didn't do any of this stuff. And the SEC is basically saying, well, like, so we waited until after the technology worked. We waited more than a year. We sold some of the token that we had. And and then because we took that some of that money and continued to develop it, that's the activity that made it a security. So it's like, wait, so you're saying that if I, we had walked away, you would have been cool with it. But because we improved it, that made it a security. And so it's just, it's, it's a really bad standard to be setting, I think, because there's so much development that needs to be done on this technology. I mean, some of the things they've said in general, just in the case, it's like they're, they're either malicious or just like incompetent. Uh, and like they, they've said things that it's like, how can you be working for the SEC and think that this is true? Like suggesting like, why don't we fix the price of a token? Like, like you, that's impossible. <laughs> 
we know that that's impossible. We have like a hundred years or hundreds of years of history. Like here's a list of examples as to why that's impossible. And they would bring it up repeatedly. Like, why don't you just always make a token worth 10 cents? Like, that's not a thing that you can do if a good is freely traded. And how are you, how are you, how do you, how are you, if you think that that is possible, like how, who granted you power to be doing this yeah. kind of thing? <laughs> well, where'd you get your economics degree? Although I guess <laughs> economics I don't, I don't degrees are not good. I don't know. Um, so I, I also hear that you guys, have you guys, you asked them, how do we operate legally? Is that correct? Yeah, we would ask them how to operate legally. We started writing our own rules and they wouldn't acknowledge them. So we'd be like, well, what if we did this? What if we did this? And then there's another branch. So, and then they did this and they said, well, we're enforcement. If you want to get clearance to something that you want to do moving forward, you have to talk to corporate finance. And then so we would go and talk to corporate finance and corporate finance would say, well, we'll be willing to consider this once enforcement is over. And then we go back to enforcement and they'd say, well, enforcement would say, well, we can't drop this case unless corporate finance says it's okay. And it's like, are you kidding me? Like it's, so they it, can't tell you how to, they, they won't tell you how to operate legally. No, no. But they will enforce. It, it's disgusting. I mean, they, they, would, they would have us get on the phone and, and basically threaten to run up costs. Like I, have, I, I didn't have a, the highest opinion of government and bureaucrats, but like I generally did. There's that saying of like, you know, incompetence versus malice. And like I generally think it's incompetence. Like I generally think that like most people in government, I have family members that work in government. I think they're good people. I think they're trying to do the right thing. I might disagree with them in some aspects about whether it is the right thing. But I generally think that most people in government are well-intentioned. It has not felt this way here. I don't, I, it felt like they were out to get us from day one. They knew that we were guilty. They would hop around from thing to thing to thing. And they didn't like that. We weren't just, you know, um, immediately bending the knee to, to everything that they wanted. Yeah. That that's one of the things that I think a few of the things that really bother me about this is there is no one alleging harm. So there's no harmed, party saying, hey, library hurt me, I, I I need the SEC to help. And there is no, you know, even after asking for guidance, there's no guidance given. There's just do your thing. We're not going to tell you how to do it. And if we don't like it, we'll come after you. Yeah. And that's and this was our one one ask was like, OK, like if you're saying this thing that we did was illegal, like we still have this big pile of the token. We would like to continue to distribute it. We would like to give it to users. We would like because they're saying they're saying if we give 20 cents worth of to, of the coin to someone because they made a meme, although we'd probably give you more than 20 cents if it was a good meme. But they're <laughs> saying that like even that is that that's, you know, an offering. And so we're like, well, like, I mean, that's that felt like an absurd standard. So, so like, what could we do with it? Like, what are we supposed to do? How are we allowed to because it felt like they're saying you literally can't do anything with the token. Um, and so we were saying, like, well, can you can, any any rules that we can follow moving forward? But we're not just going to give you, you know, $5 million and have no idea what we're supposed to do in the future because it's like they'd say, well, okay, like go have your legal team. It's like we already have a legal team that's rated some of the top lawyers in the country. We're already following their advice. Like they think that what we're doing is okay. You're saying it's not like could you guys maybe talk and like issue any kinds of rules. And and now we even have – this happened just yesterday or a couple of days ago. The One of the commissioners of the SEC, Hester Pierce, has put out – this proposed safe harbor rules that if this is what the SEC adopts, we would be completely compliant with. We would meet the standard that they're trying to put out. And so that we have members of the SEC proposing a standard that our company would meet while the SEC is suing us. Uh, 
So it's just like, it's unreal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's back up just for a second to almost a hundred years ago. And let's talk about the Securities Act of 1933, because it's the kind of uh, Bible of the SEC, so to speak. Um, and let's just acknowledge the why, why this was kind of introduced and why we want to give the government this power. I, I don't necessarily, but why, why people want to give the government this power, right? There's this idea that um, there's a lot, I think Bernie Madoff died today, maybe, maybe it was today. Uh, there's this idea Top that regulator, like, by the way, do you know that Bernie Bernie Madoff was uh, the vice chair of FINRA and was at one point one of the top securities regulators in the United States? I did not realize that. Seriously? Yes, completely serious. <laughs> of course. I mean, I don't know what to say about that. Well, there was this fear <laughs> that uh, that Bernie Madoff would come around and and con little old ladies out of their life savings, right? If if the government didn't step in and say, hey, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna knock on the door of a little old lady and say, I'm starting a hot dog stand, give me your life savings and you'll make a million dollars and she's gonna give me the money and it turns out I'm just a charlatan and I'll, you know, and they have to protect little old ladies and their life savings from themselves, from their own bad judgment and from uh, what they would have called predators uh, who are going to do this. And I get the sentiment behind that. I get the sentiment. However, we're, we like fast forward to today, even prior to crypto. And I think this is exacerbated with crypto. And I, I want to get your thoughts on this. Like prior to crypto, even the startup world, when you started to see an explosion of tech startups, um, there's a, you might wonder how does a tech startup make, how do they get investment without going and registering their securities with the SEC because the SEC claims they have jurisdiction over literally anything that's an investment contract, which is really loosely defined. There's a whole list of things. Basically, like I, I feel like if I I traded you my hamburger for fries at McDonald's, they would like claim that theoretically there's some I, I don't know. They, yeah. they, they right. might Where, claim they had jurisdiction. Right. Where's the contract in our case? They're claiming it's an investment contract. Where's the you know? Where's the contract? Where's the consideration? Where's the promise? You know, it's it's it, yeah. Part of it. But yeah, continue. Yeah. So so they've given themselves this this huge huge um, jurisdiction, and and then they recognize okay, well, startups can't deal with this. They can't register their securities. So we'll make a carve out basically for rich people, which yeah. is, well, if you're an accredited investor, which means you're one of the elite rich people, then you can invest in Facebook before it goes public and make yeah. a whole shit ton of money. But it, little old ladies can't invest in Facebook or Twitter beforehand. Only the special elite can who meet our standards of accredited investor. Yeah, uh, it's it's a very, I, I, I always, when that phrase comes up, it's like a very, I don't know if Orwellian is the right word, but it's like, it's definitely one of those phrases that I don't I don't even want to use it because it it's like it's not what it is. It accepts it like it bakes in this implied standard that that's not even there. Like the accredited investor standard is literally is your net worth or income above certain thresholds. There's no test. There's no right. accreditation. There's no assessment of knowledge that imply that the word accreditation implies. It's literally a wealth threshold makes you quote accredited. So just just to be really explicit about what that means, because yes. it is a very ridiculous standard. Yeah, and it is. It's just a wealth threshold, right? And so, I you know I look at this and I say, okay, I, I've always had a problem with that, partly because 
it's denying people who are below that wealth threshold from uh, the opportunity to throw a little bit of cash into a startup if they want to take the risk and do that. And and it denies them the upside. Yes, yes, they're protected from the downside, but it certainly creates a class of people who have access to deals that regular people don't get. Um, and now then along comes crypto. And crypto is like an order of magnitude more democratized and available. Like instead of having five or $10,000 to invest, you can invest five bucks, you can invest a dollar. Um, and it's potentially open to everyone. And uh, it's fascinating to me that they haven't looked at this and said, wait a minute, we're denying all of the, like, what's the alternative for a company like Library? You go to, to a, a venture capital firm or you let the community support you. And, and they're saying, we don't want to let the community support you. We don't want to let average people say, we like this product and we want to buy the tokens and we want to support this effort at all. Instead, they're saying, no, only rich people are allowed to invest in this thing. That might be the wave of the future. It might be the newest, biggest thing, but you're not allowed to touch it. Yeah. It's it's absolutely crazy, and in, and especially in our case because we weren't going around saying it was an investment. We were always saying you know buy it to use it and so on. And the other the and this is another part of the complaint is like they're basically saying you know that we should have we should have gotten this investment money. Well, guess what? People don't generally want want to invest in a company that has an open investigation. <laughs> <laughs> from the SEC because right because the think. right and because that's the threat um right the threat should we lose this case is it damages the cryptocurrency industry and it wipes out my company's assets it doesn't damage the network it doesn't damage the tech and we literally have investment money on standby i mean i had a a meeting with a very prominent investor someone people would know who was willing to invest more than 10 million dollars in this company and we, you know we kind of said well it doesn't make sense until we figure out this SEC stuff Right, because why would you put ten million dollars in in case they get a judgment that bankrupts the company? It doesn't make sense. So it's like we have money on standby. If the SEC wants us to take investment capital instead of sell our tokens, like okay, we'll do that. But we need to come to some kind of agreement because no sane investor is going to put in money, uh, you know, when you're when you're facing this kind of action. So what does this do? Um, what implications does this case have if the F SEC wins this against you guys? It, I know it has implications for you, but what about the rest of the crypto world? Yeah, no, as I'm, I think it's bigger, much bigger for the rest of the crypto world than it is for us. I think it means that I think it's a, I think it means that every United States company that's currently developing cryptocurrency technology, as long as they also have some of the token, I think it puts every single one of those at risk. I don't think you have to be in the U.S. I think like if you're operating in the U.S., right, the standard is just if you're operating, you don't have to. Some people say, oh, we should have been in Switzerland or some other place like that doesn't really matter. We might not have been at the top of the, the chopping block, but from a legal standard, the U.S. will eventually get everyone. And I think in. in also, the corporate structure is not key here. Like the ways that they're applying the law, it's simply if you're improving the technology while holding the token. Right. Or while holding and selling some of the token. Right. And and so that set of facts, I mean, that applies to almost every single one, because what companies have developers and people working on building what they're doing where those people aren't also token holders. It almost always overlaps. Well, you wouldn't want to <laughs> you wouldn't really trust a company full of people who didn't want to own the token that they were that. Yeah. Their network. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, 
I don't know how much Bernie Madoff bought into his own scheme, but probably not a lot, right? Uh, <laughs> so, so I yeah. think I think it's I think that this is uh, and and the Ripple case too. I think the Ripple case is also like pretty egregious because I don't think they were, um, I don't think they were like lying to people, right? I don't think they were defrauding them. I think. Can that- you- Give an overview of the Ripple case because I don't know. I can't. I mean, I can a little bit. I'm not as I'm not as knowledgeable, and I also don't like um, like. But I know that the, in the Ripple, I mean, some of the differences. Ripple sold way more, so they sold I think like more than a billion dollars worth of tokens. Um, yeah. Ripple did uh, way more. Uh, they sort of enriched themselves a lot more. Um, so the the key executives there have made hundreds of millions of dollars off of the uh, token. I have not. I'm I'm still taking a below market salary. I've been stacking my equity. Uh, in the company because I'm a big believer in what we're uh, building, but I've completely put my money where my mouth is. And this is not just me, but everyone at the company, we're big believers in what we're doing. So we didn't try to get money and walk away. Um, I think that I don't know that how big of a legal difference I'll make, but that's one of the differences. Um, we um, There's some differences in ter- potential differences in terms of decentralization and intent and marketing uh, in the sense that like Ripple is really designed to be a financial instrument Library is designed to, and I don't want to make this as a legal argument, um, but like from my sense, it is closer to a commodity than anything else in the sense that it's giving you this ability to do something useful, which is to interact with this blockchain. It needs to have a price because it it's a freely traded good, right? And so it needs to have a price, but it has a price because it's freely traded and it does something useful, much like any other uh, you know, commodity would. And so I don't, I don't think Ripple is very close to that. The utility is the financial instrument, whereas in our case, the utility is something else and that creates the value. Yep. Yep. Have you had any of the other, like, has the <laughs> Commodities Futures Trading uh, Commission come after you? Has anyone else said, hey, we want a piece of the pie? No, but I guess I should like knock on wood or something now, right? Or how to, do they listen to your show? I doubt it. I mean, maybe they hate listen. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever, whatever. Yeah, I'm not. I'm I'm perhaps too idealistic in this regard, but it's like I'm not exactly one that's inclined to, um, to like to bend the knee if I think that I'm I'm right. I'm trying to be pragmatic because I will take a settlement if they give me clarity, even though I think I've done literally nothing wrong. So like, I would take a settlement if they give me any kind of clarity as to how I can operate moving forward. Um, So I'm not that idealistic, but like. I care a lot about this stuff. I think it's wrong. I think, you know, I get in front of a jury, my lawyers, we get in front of a jury, like almost any person that learns the facts of this case is going to think that it's wrong. So I'm willing to be the guy who goes to the mat because uh, someone has to do it. Now, they're asking for an injunction, right? What's the status of the lawsuit? Uh, they, I don't think they are. We're not. We're just... Uh, maybe I'm incorrect about this. Um, we, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to look at it. While yeah, we're we were because our our they have not attempted to like freeze our bank accounts or stop any of our activities or 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 anything like that at this time. So we have basically until the middle of June to submit our response, um, okay. and that's that's what our legal team will be be working on. Okay, uh, we so you've got also, a chance to respond before they. Yeah, um, yeah, but they I think they want the judge to rule something or. Yeah, that hasn't happened in any of the other cases either, um, at least in any that were. I mean, there are some cases where they've gone after where, like, it literally was fraud, where, like, the people are, like, saying things about their token that are completely factually untrue. They're making stuff up. You know, they're saying this token's backed by, you know, a bunch of gold, and the gold doesn't exist, right? And, you know, right. these are the kinds of ones where I think it is much more understandable that 
the that the the government be doing something. Um, in this case, you know, in our case, there's none of that. Same with the Ripple case, I believe. I don't think they're they're saying anything about uh, Ripple in that regard. Um, so, uh, yeah, look, I, you know, we almost want it to move faster because it will let us uh, it will let us get back back to work faster. Although it's really only taking like my time and one other person at the company's time. I mean, all of our engineers are still still doing the building, you know. So yep. we're trying not to let it distract us too much. Um, I think anyone who's also seen my company been um, uh, be at it, you know, we we do move fast, we get a lot done, and we're gonna, you know, very much continue being that way. What do you think? Like, what do you think the SEC should do for in this category? Like you mentioned earlier, this is a new category. Like yeah. cryptocurrencies were not contemplated in 1933. What should the SEC do? Uh, well. <laughs> I, I, what I would want, I'm never going to get. I mean, I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty like radically free market type. So, in my opinion, if you're not literally lying, you know, or or something like this, the the government should basically be getting out of the way. Um, uh, I think that more realistically, we'll see something that more realistic, that optimistic, but optimistic and realistic path is something like what Hester Pierce is proposing, where there would be safe harbor rules, and you know, if you do this within three years and you file this paperwork, then you can meet these exemptions. I think I read, I was reading the latest standard, although I didn't give it a really close read. It just came out a couple nights ago and I was just kind of skimming it. I mean, I think it still has a lot of problems. I have a problems with a ton of the laws because it's, it's like, um, there's so the lawmakers really like to make laws with these like clauses, like sufficiently decentralized and then like basically kick it to the courts to come up with the definition of sufficiently decentralized. And I think it's a really bad model. Like it's the kind of like weasel language that like, you know, like if I heard someone in my company saying, using some of this language, I would say, you need to define that. You need to give me numbers. You know, you need to make specific claims so that I can apply this. You know, you can't, it's not make it fast. You know, I think this will make it faster. How much faster do you think it will make it? You know, how much will it save? And so they like to use language that's very vague it ends up meaning that you have to go to the courts to decide it. And then another aspect of the problem is there's no ability to proactively get a court to tell you something for any amount of money, where like I would have happily spent a million or $2 million to sort of go through a trial legislation right. in advance to say, okay, assuming I do this, what, how would this law apply? You can't do it. And, it's, and, and so when you write these laws that have unclear implications, it inhibits people from starting things in the first place. And then the only way you find out is you have to build the whole thing and then go through a court battle after you were successful enough to build the thing rather than being able to pay the money up front to get it decided. So it's like we either need to write legislation that's far less ambiguous, that doesn't punt these things to the courts, or if you're going to do that and say, well, it you know it's a case-by-case basis in the court. Because there is an argument that like, you know, if you write laws that are too crystal clear, they're abusable. This is kind of an obscure reference, but I'm a big fan of this paper called Crystals and Mud in Property Law, uh, which is this 30-year-old legal paper that basically talks about how our law systems oscillate between unclear interpreted rules and like rules that are very clear because there's genuinely trade-offs between those two systems. And so, if, but if we're going to go with these sort of muddier rules as opposed to the crystal rules, then you ought to have some proactive system of judgment so that you don't have to do like waste a bunch of resources to get the interpretation. Right. There should be clarity. Even if it's not clarity from a judge, it, I could imagine there being a requirement where 
the the if you request it from the regulatory body, they have to say this is how we will enforce it, and yeah. you, may, you may do these things, and like yeah. they can change their mind later. But you've got your you've got your letter from them, and it applies to you at least. Yeah, like I'm not trying to go to like college philosophy or whatever, but it's like, what do you mean by decentralized? Like, what is sufficiently like? That's a very unclear standard. And so when I was reading the proposed safe harbor, you know, I I think that we would meet that standard. I think we'd actually meet most of the, the entire document like pretty easily. There's just a bunch of language in the document that's still um, un unspecific. And so we're taking this this um, this common language and being you know having to guess what it. Uh, means this is another another book I'm a fan of is um, Super Forecasting by uh, Philip Tetlock, uh, another book, and uh, he um, he talks about this where he sort of revolutionized um, forecasting within the CIA, and because previously agents would write things like it's highly probable or it's very likely or it's unlikely, and he made them all convert to probability ranges, you know, with with estimates, and it turned out that like. You know, people interpreted phrases like highly probable with like, you know, one person would think highly probable is 95% and another person would think it's 70%. And so by like forcing everyone to communicate in concrete mathematical terms, the forecasting actually got a lot better among other ch changes. But that was a big um, one of the big uh, changes. And so I see I see this mistake happening all the time with um, honestly, not just in government, it happens in business, it happens in language, it happens all the I was time. Say, that happens like, yeah, in yeah. every business I can think of is yeah. like, is, you know. A lot of good businesses don't tolerate. I mean, Amazon doesn't tolerate it. Um, I've seen stuff from like Peter Thiel and his companies. Have, I've seen, you know, because I'll read like various lessons and you see this lesson come up with it. Like they get rid of that kind of language and like try to force much more concrete, unambiguous statements rather than, because it's actually, we like, as humans, we like that language because I know I'll write that way sometimes. Sure. And a lot of times I'm writing that way. It's because I know that it lets me fudge it later. You know, it lets me revert, interpret in a reverse way that it can get away with being correct or something like this. You know, so we're letting the person, yeah. I don't know, you know, I want this other person to be persuaded by the sentence. If I leave it vague, they'll fill in, you know, what I want them to fill in rather than, rather than being specific. So I get why it happens, but it's not good for, um, for clarity and truth seeking, truth seeking. Yeah, it is. I, that makes sense to me. And it, humans are also naturally, I think, at least in businesses, they tend to be naturally optimistic about stuff. Um, if you let them use that weasel language, they'll say like, well, you know, the sales meeting went pretty well. But if you say, what's the probability that they'll buy? It might be 0.1, uh, <laughs> yeah. right? They're just saying pretty well, like no one died. And, uh, you know, we shook hands and had a nice drink or whatever. Like, okay. But in real terms, it's not it's not really what you needed to know. Um, what what is uh, what's next for library in terms of because we I mean, I really like library for uploading videos. The thing that we're waiting for, fingers crossed, is live streaming um, from library. It's here. And I don't it's know how here. easy that is. It's here. It's on. Is so it? wait, I got to differentiate. And this is part of why we're doing the Odyssey thing. And, and, and doing li like, so library is absolutely still there, but we want library to kind of be the behind the scenes technology. So like library.tv, I know you're still embedding from library.tv on unsafe spaces. We are moving away from library.tv and doing uh, everything via Odyssey. Library TV will eventually go away though. All the links will be updated and everything. So nothing's going to disappear. Um, but Odyssey also will let us do stuff like add live streaming and, we don't have to get that all the way into the protocol. So what we're moving towards is if it's called library, it's got to be decentralized. And then if it, if the, if it's on Odyssey, we can sort of 
do it in a centralized way first and then like later bring it into the decentralized uh, layer over time. So Odyssey has so the live, live stream is like own like Odyssey off the blockchain handles the live stream, but then the video itself gets added to the library blockchain afterwards. That's right. And actually okay. for the live stream, we do we make an entry on the blockchain that we're, we're working on um, basically as like a pending publish as a, as something coming. So okay. so it gets announced to the blockchain that this content will exist in the near future and it doesn't exist until the publish is is complete. Um, until the oh, live stream okay. is completely gets published. Um, okay. So yes, you can uh, live stream on Odyssey uh, right now. I actually bet that it's available to you if you check out uh, if you log into oh, Odyssey and, and check it out. It's it's um, it's only available to like a couple, uh, maybe like a couple thousand creators. But I bet I bet that I bet that you made the list. I'm not promising. If it's not, shoot me an email. I'll we'll email you if it's list. not if we're not yeah. on there. Yeah, but we I did bet buy you- a we bought a uh, a miner for library so. Oh, sweet. Yeah, we just got to mine another, LBC for you. That's guys. another recent development. So there's now a miner specifically for the library blockchain that's made by this company called Goldshell. I think they're like 900 bucks. Uh, they're just going onto the market. And so if, if people want to um, want to mint coins, you know, in their house, uh, they can do that now. So, um, yeah, the live streaming is now available on Odyssey. Um, other features, uh, playlists are around the corner. Uh, so playlists are about to come out. We just added a swap feature today. So you can now swap from other cryptocurrencies into library credits. That was literally announced, I think, two hours before I, I got on this call. So that's our latest oh, wow. feature. And we also, this is my, uh, this isn't the sexiest answer, but it's the truth. And I think it's important because it's part of how a product gets good. Like we continue to go over all of the core stuff. And so, we're not when we'll continue to do that where because we think that that's how you create a really great product is you know you continue to refine 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 and so everything that's currently there you know is going to continue to get uh continue to get refined yeah which i guess leaves you in perpetual uh, trouble with the sec <laughs> yeah <but sure>. right <laughs> Yes. Why isn't your technology? Why didn't you finish your technology? And why can't you fix the price of your token? Yeah. Two of the fun. fun questions. <laughs> yeah. Because it's not 1981 and free markets exist. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, may, may I asked them, I think this testimony will become public at some point because I was um, I had to go in and testify. And I literally asked them this in the interview. I was, you know, well, can you name a tech? Is, is there any technology that you can name that you consider finished? Like, can you name anything? And they couldn't. They couldn't give me an answer as to a technology that was finished. Right. They don't. They don't care. I mean, they don't care. They're just trying. I'm to trying to be cynical, but I, I don't want to be too cynical. But they don't give a crap about. It's, it's made me so. It's made me so cynical. Like I'm. I'm a very optimistic person, and I want to like believe the best of people. And it's made me so. It's made me really cynical. So how big is the company? How many people are working? Uh, We have um, 15 people working full time, but there's just a a lot of, I mean, we had more than 200 people contribute code in the last year. Um, We have a discord of 40,000 people and that's like our marketing team, you know, that and our Twitter (laughs) followers are like our marketing team. Um, Most of our, our, our paid staff are engineers, not all of them. We have a couple people on the, on the business side, but almost our entire staff is engineers. And so the amount of people who contribute is like way, way larger than, the paid staff. Um, it's huge. It means so much to us. It means so much to everyone at the company to see how engaged and how, how much some of these people care because it's a big, it's also a big part of how we've been able to grow um, is because people are going out there, they're evangelizing, they're sharing and all of these, all of these things. I think that's also another cool part of cryptocurrency is that people feel like they're like a little bit more bought in 
and so it does encourage them it does like encourage them to go out and and help there's definitely a positive community social aspect of most crypto companies at least right now i don't know if that will always be the case but there's definitely kind of this shared uh desire to radically transform how things are done in a decentralized way and that that brings a certain kind of person into the community so i always think crypto companies have interesting employees and interesting communities around them well that's what i'll say that's why i was attracted to blockchain originally is not to get rich at least not in that sense of i want the token to have some like crazy multiple or whatever like i find blockchain interesting because i think it's such an empowering technology like i think it's so cool that it lets us if we lets us take more control over our lives and we don't have to cede this power to like to a small number of people to this small number to the small number of entities and that power can be distributed much more sort of equitably and that's a big part of why i was attracted to blockchain i think it's great that so many people are getting wealthy as well but i really am interested and I, I will say i'm a little bit disappointed because i think that like everyone's got the dollar signs in their eyes and they're not thinking as much about well what can we build that will allow that will like actually make people's i mean i know people make money their lives get better but like you know sort of changing the status quo because i think there are a lot of systems that are messed up and i think blockchain has the uh, potential to improve them yeah yeah but unfortunately as you mentioned a lot of this stuff is actually i mean you guys are based in new hampshire right but a, a lot of this stuff is people are leaving the states to do it because because of regulatory bodies like the sec and the uncertainty around what they can do yeah yeah and it's just a shame because there's so much um there's so much potential but there's things like like well these technologies are finally coming to fruition like i like i love the idea of futures markets right i think this is a really cool technology i think it's let's it will make produce much more accurate predictions about the world i mean look just what we just went through with all the uncertainty around covid right imagine if we had much more accurate predictions about how harmful it's going to be how soon a vaccine will be developed all of these all of these things even predictions like how much money should the federal reserve print you know uh assuming you don't believe the answer is zero the uh <laughs> there are arguments they're credible arguments um i can i can uh i can make an argument for them if just to be contrarian if nothing else uh it's the um so you know having futures markets can give really accurate predictions i think it's such a cool technology and they've basically been deemed illegal by the US. I mean, I think it's we're put coming up on a decade when the um, I think the CFTC shut down in trade. And it's such a shame because it's a really powerful technology. Right? And now we're seeing them come to fruition on the on the blockchain. Um, I think DAOs are really interesting in terms of what DAOs can enable. So that this idea that we can have these like, and these are again, reaching new, new, new levels of, of what they're doing, um, where you can we can have these like, effectively, like, almost like a public stock company, but on the blockchain and without some of the things that come with being a public stock company that you might not want to deal with. So I, just just other things, um, other things in this space, I think are really interesting. I don't know anyone who's done a DAO yet, like really legitimately. Um, well, so like in the, I would say that both Dash and Decred have um, at least like, I, I haven't done the deepest dives, but superficially, they appear to have like pretty functioning DAOs. Um, yeah. And then you have ones that were on top of Ethereum and, and things like this that like Moloch, I don't know where, what Moloch DAO is the state of that project right now, but there's, there've been a number of attempts. So how can people, um, 
I, I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna if we get just a couple minutes left. So I want to ask, how can people contribute and help um, with the library project and Odyssey generally? So the number one thing actually is just to use it. So if you're still on YouTube, if you made it this far, please go to odyssey.com uh, slash at unsafe, follow this channel, follow some other creators that you would like, and just start getting involved and plugged into this, this kind of thing that we're creating. That's the number one thing you, that you can do. If you want to go beyond that, we have a website that you can share about the case. It's at helplbrysavecrypto.com. There's a petition on there. There's a fact on there. We do like it if you sign the petition. Politicians are spineless, and we can use that uh, in our favor in this case. So um, so showing that people this is something that people care about will will help. Um, So that's use library is the first thing. And then if you want to go beyond, sign the petition. If you want to get even more involved, we have our chat community, chat.library.com. If you want to contribute code, if you want to contribute videos, anything that you want to contribute, um, yeah, we always are appreciative of those kinds of community contributions. Well, I'm going to skip over the fact that you just insulted all uh, invertebrates. But <laughs> um, <laughs> I have one last semi-frivolous question for you. Uh, we talked about it earlier before the show. What is your take on non-fungible tokens? Mm. So I'm like, I don't know. I'm like like 70% fad, 30% real, but we're probably going to pursue them anyway because the upside of them being real is just so large. I don't completely get it. Like, so there's actually, let me differentiate the idea of these tokens that aren't fungible where they're actually issuing a right. I think that makes a lot of sense. So if we were going to say that this token actually represents the copyright to a work, I think that's a really interesting idea. Right. Or if we're going to say that this token is like that, that I'm going to make this work like a work of art and legally speaking, because I have the copyright, I'm only going to allow 10 copies of it. And the token is going to represent those 10 copies. And those are the only people who are allowed to consume it or watch it or listen to it or whatever. I think things in that space are really interesting, actually. What I, what a lot of P- NFTs seem to be is like, oh, it's just like a hash of the tweet. And I'm like, why is anyone buying that? Like, you don't have any rights to it. What is, what is I, Jack Dorsey's first tweet? I don't get yeah. as an NFT. Why can't but... people make more of it? I have seen people speculate that it's um, that it's like a bunch of. I'm not saying this is true. Uh, that it's like a bunch of financial games, right? So it's like, okay, if I have two million dollars worth of ether, I buy an NFT for my two million dollars worth of ether from myself, right? I sell it to myself, right? Uh, and then I've credibly signaled that it's worth two million, and then I sell it for five hundred thousand at a discount, and I. I walk away with 500, you know, in other words, it's like setting up, it's like, it, it's easy to fake them oh. as being sold for worth more than, than people are actually willing to pay on a market. I am in no way saying that that's actually happening, but I have seen people speculate uh, about that. Well, it's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty mind blowing thing to even contemplate. I think, especially for, I don't know, uh, us old people, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like the, the, the idea that there is such a thing as the original tweet and that you can own it makes no sense to me whatsoever. Uh, yeah, but hey. what, is it, what, what does it mean? Can I delete it? Can I tell Jack that he has to delete it because now I have the copyright of the tweet? Right. Like, I don't, so I don't know, but I don't know. I, it's not the first, like, there's a lot of things. I think part of it is that people want, think of it as almost like 
merchandise or things like that from a band where it's like you're willing to you you basically want to give money to the band and you're willing to pay extra because you know that the band made the thing and it's like it feels like an exclusive kind of thing so i view it kind of just as buying and selling bragging rights yeah it's like oh i have i'm the one who has jack dorsey's first tweet i can't do anything with it it doesn't mean anything i can't control it but i have the bragging rights to being the owner so yeah bully for me But when we're talking about real assets that, that then I think they're extremely legitimately interesting. Fair enough. Well, uh, look, Jeremy, uh, I'll probably have you back to talk about some more crypto stuff in the future, but um, we're out of time for now. I really appreciate you coming on and explaining to people uh, not only what library is, but what the SEC (laughs) deal is right now, what you guys are struggling with and how it affects uh, or could affect the crypto world in general. Um, and I do love your product. So really appreciate, appreciate you taking the time. Thanks. It was great to be on. Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy. So go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com slash donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms, at least for now, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning, this is an unsafe space dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the cathedral. Pay no attention to it. The following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and marked for cancellation. Don't feel bad for them. They are not like you and me. They are malfunctioning, but I will fix them. Because I care. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Don't be afraid of change. Consider this. If we reset history, we are sure to be on the right side of it. Computer voice, Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.